This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 37 of the Catholic Foodie, Culinary Arts. That's right. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here, the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. Uh, today's episode is really just jam-packed. It's unbelievable all the stuff I had to share with you today. Um, I, I sat down to make a few notes, and I thought, goodness gracious, how am I going to fit all this stuff in? I couldn't believe it. Uh, yesterday, I was on retreat with the confirmation candidates from St. Peter Parish, and uh, we had a fantastic day. It was very prayerful. I think they benefited a lot from from what they had and opportunities for prayer, mass, confession. Uh, we also, for lunch, had jambalaya. That's right. It was cooked by the Knights of Columbus, and we're going to talk about that today on The Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I'd like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of a can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. Well, in addition to the retreat, uh, which was just phenomenal, uh, we've got other things on the menu, too. I'm going to talk about the jambalaya. I, I talked to the Casey's who prepared the jambalaya yesterday at the retreat, and I'm going to play a little clip there from that interview. And uh, also, we have a, a very special guest who's going to join us today, uh, Mr. Dominic Catalano. He's going to be on the show with us and talk to us about a special cookbook that is really a family treasure, not only a family treasure, but it's something that, that the family is sharing with everybody else. So stick around for that. We're going to talk to Dominic. Uh, what else is on the menu? What else are we going to have today? Oh, that's right. We've got some feedback. Um, last episode, we talked about tailgating. And at the end of the episode, I asked for voice feedback. And I've got some to share with you today. And what else? I know there's something else that I'm forgetting. Oh, we've got another little special uh, visit that we're going to have from someone else, uh, Father Seraphim Bashoner. So we have all that and more here today on the show, and we're so glad that you're joining us here on The Catholic Foodie. True love, you heard him? You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Yes, honey. True love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for a nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes are ripe. They're so perky. I love that. Well, we did receive, this is uh, the, the feedback part, uh, the, the Catholic foodie love, right? Give me some love. And this is the... True love is what was that that uh, that bumper was all about, except for that uh, MLT mutton lettuce tomato sandwich, which is really really good stuff. Um, let's see, we had some feedback, and what happened last episode, we talked about tailgating, and I said if you uh, if you tailgate, or if you have a good story of where food meets faith in your life, send me a voice feedback, and I'll play it on the show, and I'm gonna stick your name in the hat to win a Catholic Foodie T-shirt or apron. And so I do have some feedback to play for you today. I've got four pieces of voice feedback to play for you. And we're going to just cover a couple of them here in the beginning of the show. And then I'm going to save another one for later in the show. 
So here we have the, the, our first call. Let's see. Let's see what happens here. Hey, Jeff. My name is Kathy Powell. Hey, Kathy. And um, I am pretty new to reading Catholic Foodies, so excited to call and give some feedback. Tailgating. My husband and I both went to Florida State University and tailgate there quite a bit and um, generally keep the food pretty simple. We're usually just coming in from out of town, so eating other people's food. And it is usually, you know, chips and some good dip, like one of those layer dips where you don't really know what it is, but it's all good stuff, um, or, you know, spinach dip, artichoke dip, something like that. Um, and then there has to be some sort of fried chicken, chicken strips, chicken wings, something fried and easy to hold with your hand that involves chicken. That's key. <laughs> um, let's see what else. Tailgating experience, um, beer, and plenty of water because it's usually hot in Florida. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, food needs faith in my life. I don't know. Am I supposed to answer both questions? I'm new to this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think the big thing is um, – is just making sure we gather as um, gather and share meals with friends and family and you know prayer before meals and prayer when we're out at restaurants and um, just taking that time together um, over food because we are definitely Catholic foodies ourselves. Um, that is awesome. That is like so cool. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. You you mentioned the fried chicken or or chicken tenders or something like that. That I mean, that's it's easy. It is so easy. Uh, something you hold in your hand, what they call it, like finger food, right? You could just eat with your, with your hands. It makes things so easy, and so you do. You see a lot of that stuff out here. You've got you know, egg rolls, uh, fried chicken, chicken tenders, uh, chicken wings, uh, fried catfish. For us, uh, Cajun folk down here, our, love our fried catfish. Um, all those things are just so easy to eat. I, I didn't think of pointing that out last episode, so I'm very glad uh, that you mentioned that. And let's see, we have, oh, and you also mentioned the thing about water because it's so hot. You know, uh, it's always good to have a lot of water on hand if you plan on drinking beer because the alcohol and the beer can actually dehydrate you, which is not good. It feels great, right? If it's a really hot day and you drink a nice cold beer, ooh, it's just, it, it, it feels great. But it's actually dehydrating you more. So uh, to have some water there is a very, very smart thing to do. All right, we got some more feedback here. Hi, Jeff. This is Angela from Iowa, and I love your show. I also want to let you know we eat brats and beer when we tailgate here in Iowa. Wow. Yes, that's right, brats and beer. Usually we go to a local <laughs> brewery and get some beer and eat our brats early in the morning right outside of those that Iowa Hawkeye Stadium, Kinnick Stadium. Yep, that's right. Let's go Hawks. <laughs> Thank you so much for your podcast. Oh, wow. I love it. Thanks. Oh, great. Well, thank you. That's fantastic. So, brats and beer, huh? I mean, that goes together. B and B, brats and beer, and it's cool that you can actually go to a local brewery and pick up beer. That's fantastic. They do the same thing here at the Abita Brewery, and they have the big jugs. You can bring a jug and get it um, filled up. And I can't remember. They have a, a proper name for that jug, and I can't think of the name of it. Uh, but I have to tell you, I think I've done that once in my life. And it wasn't my jug, it was a friend's. Uh, we went and had it filled up and um, and went out, uh, went back to his house, watched movies uh, with some other friends, and, and we all sat around and drank beer. It was a wonderful night, and the beer was great, but uh, 
I don't know. I just I never think about going and picking up fresh beer like that. I guess it's just kind of inconvenient. It's more convenient for me to have it in a bottle and to to open it up whenever I want. So, but that's awesome. That is excellent, and I will keep that in mind next time we go tailgating. Maybe I can go pick up a a jug of beer. Hi, Jeff. This is Jennifer Ziegler from Plurk, also known as Tiny Bear Four Twenty One. I am calling to tell you about a tailgating experience. Um, usually we tailgate um, in the parking lots, um, either at Bush Stadium here in St. Louis, or if we're in another city, we like to tailgate in their parking lots. It doesn't matter if it's football games or baseball games. We love to tailgate. And really for us, it's not about the food. Um, when we tailgate, it's usually just a simple barbecue, hot dogs, bratzes, pizzas, or whatever. You know, sometimes we even have ribs, but it's not really about the food. It's more about being around friendship. We feel that just being able to have that tailgating experience with our family or our friends is just such a blessing that God allows us to be together, to share that day, and to be amongst other people who unfortunately may not have that kind of bonding experience. And some will walk by and we always have extra food. And, you know, if they ask, you know, if they can join us, we always, always encourage other people to join us. It's such a fun experience. And I think that that is just the most important thing, just the fellowship you can get and the nurturing of your soul just from being around other people for a wonderful day. Sorry, it's not very exciting, Jeff, but that's what tailgating is all about for us. Well, that's very uh, exciting. I think that's fantastic. Matter of fact, you know, it highlights, I mean, what you had to say just now highlights the fact that, I mean, food is something that happens uh, between people. I mean, it's it, it brings people together. It's all about community. It's all about family. Uh, we hear the same thing today from from Dominic, uh, when we talk to him, uh, it's it's all about family. It brings people together, and I love the fact that um, you know when people who they, that you don't know, strangers who come around when you're tailgating, if they stop by to say hi, you welcome them in, you invite them in, and get to know them, and offer them food, and it, it's all about that uh, that the relationship, right? The the family, the community, and that is just so good to hear. And it happens all over the place. We have it happen, of course, at Mass, where we're celebrating the food, right? The bread of life and receiving the bread of life that brings us together, binds us together. It happens around our family tables. And it can also happen in parking lots out there outside of stadiums. And it's just, it's so incredible to think about and such an awesome thing uh, to experience. So thank you so much for that feedback. I do have another uh, another voice uh, piece of voice feedback to share with you, but I'm going to save that one for later. That one is from Anne in the UK, somebody that uh, many of you listening may know. Anne in the UK. So we'll save that one for a little bit later in the show. Well, we're very, very, very fortunate today, very blessed today to have Dominic Catalano with us, uh, all the way from Florida. Uh, Dominic, how you doing? Jeff, I'm doing great, doing awesome. Thanks for having me. Well, fantastic. Uh, now, Dominic, you you run a um, uh, a company, I guess, or a ministry or a company, Cat Gear, is that correct? It, that's correct. I uh, It's cat, like dogs and cats, and that comes from my last name, Catalano, and the fact that I'm Catholic and trying to be a catalyst to change agent in the world, 
and um, couldn't find Catholic T-shirts for my kids when I was doing youth ministry. And you know, one shirt led to another, and we started with the rosary. Took a Luke, and a lot of Catholics think that they don't know Scripture, and we just went through Luke for the for the Scriptures for for the rosary, Hail Mary, and put that on a shirt and put Have you talked to your mother lately? On the top of that, and we've just been rolling since, and then we're just growing. Uh, you know, one trying to change the world one shirt at a time. So. That is, that is awesome. <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, you, just a few weeks back, you had talked to me about a special book that you had in your family. I, I'm, I'm very happy. You actually sent me a copy of this book a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I've, I've fallen in love with it. It's, it's absolutely awesome. And I just wanted to see if you could tell us a little bit about what the book is and how it came about. Um, but before I tell you about the special book, I really need to tell you about a special person and that special person is my grandmother, Grandma Rosa. It's my dad's mom. She wrote this book, and the book is entitled Culinary Arts by Rose Catalano McQuaid. She, uh, her original last name was Colosso, and she married Catalano the McQuaid. And she had a different path than most people would have traveled because um, at first my grandmother is first generation, born in New York City, and uh, I had a handicapped aunt, Aunt Connie. And so my grandmother raised Aunt Connie, and uh, that was when mental uh, mental retardation or you know handicap. Uh, along the lines of mentally challenged was not very popular back in the 30s and 40s and 50s so and she did a lot by herself and then my dad came along so she had a different a different um life than most people would have but but her ministry was through food and grandma rosa believed and we still believe that today that some people uh eat just so they can live and so they can exist well in our family we believe that we exist just so we can eat and and this book is 400 pages of uh, it's like treasure trove of recipes and hints and Italian secrets, and she talks about our family at the beginning, and she talks about cooking and the different ingredients, and it truly was her passion, and it truly was her ministry, and this this book is actually more of a legacy that she has left behind, and um, hopefully to impact people and uh, uh, just change people's lives by by the food that they eat. So that she sounds like she is such a, a special special person, and I love the fact that. Uh, you know, you see existence as a, as a, you know, you eat not just to live, but you kind of live to eat, you know. It's very similar to what we have down here in Louisiana. Your, uh, the, the title of the book, um, Culinary Arts, where did the title come from? You know, that's a great question, and we, we, we wondered that for the longest time. And uh, I, I don't know actually where she coined that, um, and it's not very Italian-sounding, and her recipes aren't necessarily Italian. Some of them are deep south, and some of them are from uh, up up in the northeast, and some are Spanish. Um, I don't know. That's a great question. But I do know that her, the s. I mean, the title. I don't know specifically where it came from, but the essence of her book comes from the fact that it was truly her heart and passion. I mean, just a breakfast or going to her house. She'd have the rolled salami and the Roquefort blue cheese dip, and the, you had to have the ruffled potato chips. I mean, every meal was truly a presentation, and so. That that's part of that whole art. I mean, it, it, watching her do her thing was like watching a maestro. You know, I mean, she was like a conductor in the kitchen. It was a production, uh, and it truly was beautiful, and truly was something that to behold. And I'm telling you, it was something to behold. So that, that's fantastic. And she, it's it's uh, it's amazing. As I, I've only had the book for a couple of weeks, but just looking through it, I I started. I couldn't get enough. I mean, she's got so many uh, just basic tips in here for cooking in general that just that in itself is is worth buying a book for you know you can't find that stuff everywhere 
it's almost like she's uh you know you tap into the secrets of secret lives of, of, of the kitchen of a rose catalano McQuaid when you when you open this book she does tell some great stories i have to tell you though she's one of my heroes our heroines because she had every reason to fail she got involved with alcohol back in the 50s and 60s and uh, had every reason to cash in the chips and what was me and but she she pulled herself up, and my oldest sister was born in the mid, middle '60s, and um, she eventually opened a small home to raise handicapped kids again, including my aunt Connie. She Jeff, she typed this book over 400 pages before computers. So I mean, she was one of those people who saw, had a vision, and went and got it done. And for that, just alone, she's one of the people in my life that I've always looked up to. She had every reason to fail, chose not to. And she produced a 400-page cookbook. Like you said, it has those secrets and hints, and it truly is something special. That that sounds like she actually lived out this uh, this quote, this thing that she said: "What you get from the pot, what you put into it." <laughs> you know, well said. Um, she tried different faiths, and I'm not one to say that this faith or that faith. I'm Catholic. She was Catholic. She came back to the church fervently and on fire and that actually you see her faith through a lot of these different recipes as she ties in some of the applications of faith and food and so that's that's another you know tidbit that's included in the book and it's also something that she passed on to our family was our catholic faith so she's a, she truly is a special woman and i believe she's certainly advocating for me on the other side now so um grandma rosa she rocks <laughs> well this is um uh, just as, to give an example from uh, the book, um, I just opened it up at a random page, and of course, it, it's just riddled with with tips and and uh, words of wisdom on how to actually cook. Not just a recipe, but like what? How do you actually follow a recipe? How do you do something? And this is something that she says. It's uh, about cooking seafood, which is important. You know, if you live in Florida or Louisiana or someplace like that you you around water you know, you want to be able to cook fish cook seafood the right way and she says have you ever had fresh cod halibut tuna and especially a salmon steak and swore you'd never have it again because it was so dry and tough there's a reason despite the fact that these fish are all robust in appearance they require a very small amount of cooking otherwise in no time they will cross over from the most tender succulent morsels into something short of being rubber <laughs> with just the slightest bit of overcooking. So use them generously in any of the preceding recipes when she had mentioned using them before. But anyway, that's, that's such a, a gem to know that these types of fish can be delicious as long as you don't overcook them. That's great. But Jeff, it's funny because we've all been there, whether we're, you like cooking or, or like me, you like eating. We've all had a bad fish and you've always wondered why. Well, there you go. My, my personal favorite is actually on page 381, which is filete de puerco a la Dominic, pork fillets a la Dominic. And one thing that Grandma Rosa would do is she would make our, our, favorite, our favorite dish. And then she made a recipe of that dish, and mine was pork fillets. And she would serve those things, Jeff, like pancakes. I'm telling you, oh, I don't know wow. what she did or what magic she performed on those things, but it was it was something else. And that she says on there, you know, to serve piping hot as they come off the burner, accompany these little fillets with a ton of homemade uh, French fried potatoes and a generous portion of homemade applesauce, which was really good. 
And she says, allow at least four cutlets and no less than six small ones for each young man. She goes on to say <laughs> that having two boys of her own, I think as men, they still have those hollow legs. And I can still remember Grandma Rosa making those meals for us. And it was, it was I mean, you talk about serving and, you know, you see that and you hear that constant theme in cooking, you know, serving and being a servant but, and also in our faith. And then you see she was truly, I mean, when you came to her house, she, she rolled out the red carpet and treated you like a king or a queen. I remember those pork fillets like, uh, like they were yesterday, something, uh, just some kind of delicious. Golly, that's, it's, it's awesome. And it's just so, it's so real. It's, it's a celebration of family. I mean, that she makes this your, your favorite dish and names this after you. I mean, it's just, a, and it's a regular thing. I mean, that is just, it's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. The, the faith, family, food, it's all mixed up together. And it's really what we're all about here at the Catholic Foodie. And I'm, I'm just so impressed with, uh, with Grandma Rosa. I mean, she is just, she's amazing. She is amazing. Anyway, well, I want Jeff, to... I appreciate you, you, you taking the cookbook and bringing it over. So thank you. I'm sorry. Uh, let me ask you this. Um, now, you mentioned a little while ago that she typed out all 400 pages before computers. So uh, the, the copy that I have now is obviously not the same edition. Uh, can you tell me how this new uh, edition came about? Well, you're you're right. The first edition um, was a was a bound, a hard bound, or not a hard bound. I'm sorry, it was a glue bound. You know, so it wasn't the spiral bound. And we updated it because it was easier for cooking. When you want to cook, you want to make sure those pages stay open, and it's a lot easier than pressing down on the book. And this way, it stays open. So that's the first thing we did when we updated it. The second thing was that over time we just we we ran out of cookbooks, and we it was either let something like this, like this treasure, just kind of disappear, or to reproduce it, and uh, that's what we did. So Grandma, unfortunately, passed away in 1994, and her cookbooks that she had made finally you know, disappeared through wedding gifts or graduation or just gifts of any kind. So we, we, we ran out. So we had to do something or to, pervert, to preserve her legacy, and this is – so I kind of took it on myself to make it a project to, to, uh, to honor her and to you know, create something that would last. So that's how we came up with our second one. Now um... – Apparently, these are also available. So if someone listening right now wanted to get a copy of Grandma Rosa's cookbook, Culinary Arts, they could do so. Uh, but but how? how? How would they actually go about getting one of these books? Jeff, under our website, catgear.com, C-A-T-G-E-A-R, catgear.com, there's a section called Books and More. And uh, Grandma Rosa's cookbook is right there, uh, Culinary Arts. And Jeff, for every person who orders one, we'll send them a second one for free. Um, we want to get the, the word out. We want to get Grandma Rosa's legacy out to as many people for them to enjoy it. So if they buy one, we'll send them a second one for free. Wow, that's awesome. C- cool. <laughs> well, Dominic, thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak with me today. Is there anything else before we close out? Anything else you want to say? Well, Jeff, first, thank you for for uh, for having um, for having me on the show. And the second thing is that you know, Grandma Rosa, like I had mentioned, was somebody who could have made a choice about you know cashing in the chips. Woe was me. And I think all of us are kind of called to to that to realize what are our dreams, what are the things that make us get up in the morning, whether it be family or food or or you know the Catholic foodie, your ministry, whatever it is, or T-shirts. 
whatever it is, and, and to and to pull up those bootstraps and get going. And Grandma Rosa reminded me of that every day. And if nothing else, that, that could be her legacy, to find your dreams and go chase them. That's fantastic. Well, I'm going to try to take that advice to heart and uh, put it to use in my own life. It's It's a fantastic message I think we all need to hear. And I want to just thank you once again. Thank you so much for for joining us here at the Catholic Foodie today. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. All right. God bless. Bye-bye. Well, that was awesome. That is so cool. It was it was great to uh, uh, to talk to Dominic. Man, I, I'm so excited that we, we had the chance to do that. What's that? This, my friend, is a pint. It comes in paints. Oh. I'm getting one. You've got a whole half already. Now, I do want to share a few things with you about the retreat that I was on yesterday. Uh, But before I do that, uh, I want to talk about, or I don't want to talk about something. I want to play something for you about being healthy. How can we be healthy today, or really healthy Catholics? Not only by listening to Father Roderick's Healthy Catholic, which is really, really good, but there's another way we can take our Catholic vitamins. Feeling a little down? Need a pick-me-up? Wondering where God is right when you need him? It's okay, it happens to the best of us. One of the things that just could be the pick-me-up you need is from new Catholic Vitamins. What's that, you ask? Catholic Vitamins? You'll learn all about the right mix of Catholic Vitamins, all covered in this new podcast with Deacon Tom Fox. It's coming soon, September 6th. This is Deacon Tom. Blessings. Catholic Vitamins. Who knew? If you haven't yet checked out Deacon Tom and D's Catholic Vitamins, please go over to CatholicVitamins.com and uh, and give them a listen. Really, really good stuff, and it's very beneficial to your spiritual health. And speaking of spiritual health, I took about 90 teenagers on a confirmation retreat yesterday, and it was storming. It was unbelievably storming. I, it's been raining here for days. I keep looking around for an ark somewhere. Noah's got to be around here somewhere because it is just pouring day after day after day. And, uh, (laughs) you know, we've had, I had parents the day before calling and and emailing me saying, hey, are we going to cancel because it's supposed to rain all day tomorrow? I was like, well, no, we got to, you know, rain or shine. We're going on with this. Confirmation is a month away and we we wouldn't be able to um, reschedule the the retreat. So we've got to do it. And uh, so we went out to the Teresian Retreat Center. The Teresians, uh, they are a, um, an order in the church of nuns uh, founded by St. Henry de Oso. And uh, they have a retreat center out here. Nice, nice facility. Beautiful chapel. Gorgeous chapel. Tons of land. I mean, there's, there's, you could just go roam around. Uh, it's very prayerful, very peaceful. It's kind of out in the country, quiet. And usually every year, that that's what will happen. Our kids will have we have speakers who come in and give talks, and then the kids have small group time or they've got reflection time, and they can go off and walk and pray the rosary together, or go sit outside in the grass and talk with each other. You know, whatever whatever it, it may be, and it's always just a, a good thing for them to do. But yesterday, with it storming as much as it was, they couldn't go out anywhere, so we were pretty much trapped in about three different rooms. 
Uh, one is like a dining room, kitchen area, or a refectory type place. Another one was a meeting room. And then, of course, you had the chapel. So we lived most of the day between those three rooms. And it made, it made uh, small group uh, conversations almost impossible. But we did get a break in the rain in the afternoon for a while, and so if, if they wanted to walk around, they could on the, uh, on the gravel road. You couldn't really go out into the grass because uh, it was saturated. You'd, you'd walk out there and just sink. So, But despite all of that, despite the rain, despite the, uh, I guess, the uncomfortableness of uh, being cramped inside together the whole time, and uh, being wet, you, you, you couldn't help but get wet when you left from one building to the other when we had to go to the chapel. Uh, despite all of that, it was a really good day. It was an awesome day. And I, I, I kept, I don't know, just wondering about this uh, after the fact and talking to another, uh, another friend of mine who was there, who's one of the, the, the leaders along with me, an adult leader, Joe Mariano, uh, talking to Joe saying, I just can't. It's the Holy Spirit who does this. You know, we put these things on every year, and I have speakers who come in and give the talks, but it's not us. It's the Holy Spirit who does this. I, I come in with a very um, relaxed attitude on the retreat. It's, you know, I don't want to stress out. I don't want the day to be over overly uh, scheduled. I don't want it to be too um, constricting and make you feel like you're at a fast pace. You know, you're trying to get through the schedule. Instead, it's kind of relaxed. You know, we have a lot of downtime. We've got speakers who come in at certain times to talk, and we were very, very fortunate to have both our pastor and associate pastor there yesterday in the morning to hear confessions. So everybody basically had the opportunity to go to confession. This is one of the few times that you actually have priests come to you, right? That's what I kept telling the candidates yesterday morning, encouraging them to to go. It's like this... You actually have the priest coming to you to hear your confession. You don't have to go stand in line at the church. They're coming here just, just for you. So it was an awesome. That was that was fantastic. All the kids in the chapel. We had some um, chant music, kind of you know lightly playing in the background. Uh, it was a very prayerful experience. We had like a small adoration chapel off to the side of the chapel, and uh, uh, did I just say adoration chapel? inside the chapel <laughs> it really is it's it's a small room on the back side of the chapel where the blessed sacrament is exposed so there is an adoration chapel inside the chapel and the chapel itself is like a small church i mean it's it's pretty big so um you know you had the music in the background people could go and do their penance or pray or whatever in the adoration chapel if they wanted to uh the rest of the the large chapel kids sitting there, either sitting there praying or standing in line for one of the two confessionals. It was just a beautiful thing to see. It was just such a beautiful thing to see and to have all the candidates do this together. This isn't just them going off before confirmation into their own, you know, into at their own time, whatever they want in the parish and going to confession. This is all of us together sharing this experience of repentance together as a class of candidates for, for confirmation. That was a beautiful thing. And of course, the small group leaders, all of our adult leaders are there, and they're modeling for the teenagers like how to practice the faith. They're going to confession too. Um, they're praying as well. 
I mean, it's just, it's a great, it was just a great day. It was so good and so beneficial, not only for the candidates, but I had a number of the adult leaders come to me and thank me at the end and tell me how much they got out of the day. So anyway, it's just one of these blessings. You know, every year I get to do this and I'm, I just feel myself like I'm so edified in my faith when I see how the Holy Spirit works with these teenagers and with these other adult leaders. So once again, I just feel honored uh, to be a part of it. So we also were able to have Mass. Uh, our pastor came back at 4 o'clock, and he celebrated a vigil Mass for us, which is why at this moment on Ustream, I'm on Ustream, and my, my family is actually at, at Mass. <laughs> so it's kind of quiet here today, uh, this morning, but because uh, I, I got to go to the vigil Mass last night. Uh, now, in addition to all the holy things that went on, dealing with prayer and repentance and uh, confession and the Eucharist and wonderful talks given by some very uh, dedicated uh, youth ministers in and around this area. Uh, we also had the ministry of somebody or some more than one body, some people, <laughs> some other people, right? The ministry of the Knights of Columbus. Uh, the Knights are present pretty much everywhere in the in the church, uh, at least in the United States. I know they're in many, many countries outside the U.S. as well. And they're a very dedicated, very faithful, faith-filled group of men who are dedicated to serving the church. And uh, we have a very large group of knights uh, in our parish. And I had called and invited them. I asked them. I begged them, actually, because <laughs> I, I was doing this at late. It was kind of late notice, begging them to come and to cook lunch for us. And I know that they like to cook. Of course, they're, uh, they're from South Louisiana. They're like me. They love to cook. And I, I know that they also do jambalaya a lot for different groups in the parish. So I called and I asked if uh, if they would be able to do that at such late notice. And they were so happy uh, to be given the opportunity to come out and to serve. So while they were cooking, I had the opportunity at one point, the kids were off doing small group stuff, I had the opportunity to go sneak over there and to smell the good food cooking and to get to see it you know, and watch them as they're cooking, and to ask them some questions. So I'd like to uh, play that little clip for you right now. Well, here we are. We're at the uh, the confirmation retreat I've been talking about for uh, days. And uh, we're very fortunate, actually, to have the Knights of Columbus here. And they are uh, making a jambalaya. You talk about good. I'm looking at it right now. I'm, I'm so, so, uh, so sorry that you can't see it. Uh, but I will definitely put pictures on the uh, on the website, and I am here with three knights, and I'd like for them maybe to introduce themselves. Uh, your name and I'm Erwin Morantz. Okay. Michael Ricky and Chico Morales. Very good. And uh, what are we cooking today? Well, today we're cooking a uh, jambalaya. And, and for and those who don't have any idea what that is? Jambalaya is, a, 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 I guess, a Louisiana dish that uh, originated from Louisiana in the southeast Louisiana area, but uh, consists of, uh, we start off with chicken uh, and sausage, basically. That's your basic ingredients and rice. Wow. Uh, plus you have other seasonings that go with it, onions and mm -hmm. uh, spices and... Uh, 
whatnot, bell pepper, celery, so there's a lot to it. We have any cayenne in there? Oh, yeah, we got a little cayenne. <laughs> of course, of love, course, we can't give you the real recipe, otherwise, of, of course, that's yeah, right. Everybody, everybody, everybody will do that then. Now, but everybody's got a different way of making it, yeah. You know? yeah. Everybody's got a different way. Our way is a little different from the, from the guy that lives down the street, you know, or whatnot. Like I said, if you ever get lost in the woods, you holler out, how you make potato salad? And then 20 people will come everybody rescue you. Know? Yeah, right. everybody will come get you. Everybody's got a different recipe. So, and that's uh, the, the good thing, I guess, about uh, South Louisiana cuisine. I mean, that's gumbo, jambalaya, I mean, any of that stuff. you got uh, a myriad of ways to prepare these, yeah. these dishes. Well, you have so many uh, uh, cultural influences on, uh, you know, in, in, in food down mm. here, you know. Spanish, French, Creole, and, right, right. Uh, African. And it's there's so many, and you got so many variations of uh, all different, kind of good stuff. Yeah, all kind of good things, you know. So. Wow. Now, yeah. what is this this pot? You've got a looks like a special uh, setup here. What what is that uh, that pot made out of? Well, it's a uh, it's a cast iron pot. Uh, as a matter of fact, I got this one from my neighbor. He was going to use a make it as a uh, make a flower pot out of it. Oh, good. And uh, he asked me if I wanted it because he saw me cooking in my backyard. <laughs> I had another much smaller cast iron pot, so he asked me if I wanted to uh, if I wanted it. I said, "Well, yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it." This pot costs about three hundred dollars. Goodness know? gracious! You, you can't buy a pot like that anymore. This pot may be 80, 90 years old, and it was actually forged in the United States. Uh, somewhere in Pennsylvania, so most of them are, uh, you know, come from China, and uh, mm -hmm. so you can't really get it like that. Not a stand I had to buy, uh, and and a burner, and of course the tank. Right, right. But now, now this these pot, it kind of looks like the old sugar pot, huh? They used to have those old, uh, the big sugar mm -hmm. pots. Yeah, About yeah. The same thickness, but not quite as big. Right, same thickness. Yeah. Yeah, those pots are huge. Matter of fact, I, I, I fished down at Point Lahash, and there's still some of those pots you can see. Uh, people uh, people have little small; they make small ponds out of them. Yeah. they're like four foot diameter, five foot diameter. You know? Yeah, they're huge. They're huge, yeah, they're really big. Now, so, you guys are uh, your knights of Columbus, and y'all around here. I invited you to come out and cook for our confirmation retreat, and y'all y'all did so uh, happily, willingly. And I know you love to cook. You like yeah. me, I love to cook. <laughs> Any excuse to get in the kitchen is uh, is great for me, uh, but I know, being in the same parish, that you guys do this quite a bit. You you do cooking, um, other kind of uh, charitable works. Uh, what? Just tell me what what are some of the things y'all have cooked for besides uh, besides the confirmation retreat today? Well, Mike, you kind of remember things like that, huh? <laughs> you uh... Well, we've had about we've had four priest changes in the past, um, say two months. And uh, every time a new priest would come in or one would go out, we'd have a reception for him. We cooked for all of those. Uh, we just recently okay, cooked, cooked the spaghetti dinner. Yeah. Um, so that's about, you know, so that, that's like about six, six, six times that we've cooked in the past two months. But we do it because we enjoy it. We enjoy the camaraderie, and we, we enjoy cooking, and we enjoy being with our brothers. Good. That's awesome. And, and I know you do the same thing during Lent, right? Lent is a, a big time at St. Peter Parish. Uh, Friday nights, very special. Friday night fish fries. <laughs> Every Friday night we have at least, what, 25 or 30 nights come out and uh, work on the work on the frying the fish and shrimp 
and French fries and uh, coleslaw. Yeah, we really do. And, yeah, but, you know, I, when we do our fish fries, we usually get some help from the cafeteria staff at St. Peter's. And when one of those ladies passed away and had a hard time paying the funeral, we had a chicken dinner. We raised, I don't know how much we raised, 2000 Wow. To, to help pay for a funeral. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. And then we have our annual pumpkin patch. That's right. That's right. Side of the church. Oh, the kids love that, man. Yeah, they, come up this October. Coming up this October. The kids just absolutely, it's like a, a playground for them, you know? Yes. They love it. So, well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk to me, and I cannot wait for this jambalaya to be ready. Uh, you're very welcome. Awesome. It's our pleasure. Enjoy it. Well, it was so good to talk with them, uh, all guys that I know, of course, from the parish. Uh, but to get them talking about the, the food and uh, the the, the, uh, the cooking utensils, I guess you'd say, or the utensils, but the, the, the big pot. I mean, I, you, I'm putting a picture on the website of the pot. you got to see it. I mean, this thing is huge, thick, cast iron pot, and they've got the, a rig for it and the, the propane. I mean, it's really, really awesome. And then, of course, the jambalaya. When it was done, oh my goodness, it was it was incredible, and everybody, everybody, uh, was just raving about it. All the kids loved it. Uh, it was you know the and this is really good because you've got all these high school boys and guess what they could do? They could go back and get seconds. <laughs> they could even go get thirds if they wanted to. We had so much jambalaya. It was wonderful. So I just want to say thank you once again to the Knights of Columbus uh, for coming out and cooking. Jambalaya for the Confirmation Retreat at St. Peter Parish. Well, there's so much that I would love to share with you today, and I just don't think that I'm going to have enough time to cover everything. I wanted to share something about that book I've talked about before, uh, Jim Beckman's uh, God Help Me How to Grow in Prayer. I picked that book up again uh, just the other day, and I read some stuff, and I thought, yeah, I really need to share this uh, on the show. But I just today I'm going to have to postpone that, put it back into maybe next show, and also, guess what happened Wednesday night? Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I've been talking about this for weeks, and Wednesday night it finally happened. Father Leo Padalinghug threw down with Bobby Flay on Food Network. We had a Roman Catholic priest on Food Network Wednesday night. And I'm not going to spoil it. If, if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil that for you yet. But uh, And I do want to talk about it, but once again, that's something I'm going to put back, put back or push back to Next episode, episode 38. So stick around for episode 38. Uh, we could talk about Father Leo throwing down. I'm just so excited about that. I can't I can't stand it. I mean, it's just awesome. Uh, but right now, I've got a little more feedback to play for you and uh, a little visit. Someone's going to pop in and visit. Somebody from SQPN is going to stop in and visit with us also before we close out the show. So first of all, here's some feedback from Anne in the U.K., Hello, the Catholic foodie. Hi, Jeff. It's Anne in the UK, and I just wanted to leave you some feedback and say how wonderful it was to listen to your episode on the Benedictines. Uh, and uh, just on the note of the alcoholic beverage, one of my local monasteries in the United Kingdom, in a place called Yorkshire, actually produced their own apple brandy. And it's a monastery called Ampleforth. And I go to it uh, quite regular, regularly, and I shall be there in October. And I'm hoping to buy a few bottles. And I think they also do a slow gin. 
Um, I've never, ever tried apple brandy, but uh, I look forward to you it. And uh, if I can speak after a few glasses, I might give you some more feedback. Anyway, and I also want to say congratulations on uh, the SQPN um, um, affiliation. I hope you guys are all recovering from your allergies and bugs and what have you. But uh, um, And also, I loved your bit and encouraging confirmation. Um, in the UK, it's so hard. We do the programs and then we just lose the children. Uh, they think they've done all the, you know, all the official bits in the church and they can just leave, which is extremely sad. And I'm sure it's, our country is not the only case. Um, I try and combat that because, like you, I work with the young adults in my parish. Um, at the moment, we haven't started our programs due to um, a few personal you know, reasons uh, within our youth team. But hopefully we will get going again. But I think everything you said was really encouraging to your friend or whoever gave you the feedback. Um, I'm covering all the feedback that I should have done for the last since whenever you began. I just think it's amazing, your idea of making food and Catholicism all together. Ah, that was it. The other thing I think you should do is interview Father Leo Patalinghag, because like you, he has uh, a joy of food, with food, in the way he uses it for evangelization purposes. And I would be just so excited and so encouraged if you could get Father Leo. And uh, my favorite Father Leo uh, thing are the four liturgical sources. So if you ever interview him, I'm not going to spoil them. Uh, you'll have to ask him. Um, and I, I'm now waffling in the good British style. Oh, my beer of the evening. It's a Friday evening, so I treated myself to the best beer in the world. It's uh, a beer made by Fuller's Brewery. And Fuller's Brewery, uh, I think you mentioned Fuller's Brewery on the Benedictine episode, but I could be wrong. And London Pride. It also makes a very good shandy where you add lemonade uh, to a, a beer. Uh, and it's beautiful in the summer. It's one of my favorite summer drinks. And as I speak, I'm hugging the bottle. And if I get around to it, I might send you a picture of the bottle because it's kind of funky. Okay, that's it. Now, goodbye, God bless, and speak to you soon. Bye! Thank you so much, Anne. That was, uh, <laughs> thank you for your kind words. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm honored. Uh, I think uh, interviewing Father Leo also would be an excellent idea. I don't know how we'll arrange that, but I think that'd be fantastic. I'd be very excited to do it. Uh, and also, I just want to comment on London Pride. Uh, yes, uh, my local grocery does carry Fuller's London Pride. And after hearing your feedback, I had to stop there yesterday and pick up a bottle in celebration of uh, a successful retreat. I was exhausted, so I thought the, the best thing to do would be to, to get a bottle of London Pride and go home and chill out and sip on a nice beer. So it was the first time I had it, and it was really good. I was very impressed. Uh, a lot lighter than I expected it to be. Um, and this is what uh, the beer, beer advocate uh, says about it. It's, it's an English pale ale, 4.7% alcohol by volume. And uh, they basically, let's see, they said that um, it's a clear, tawny color, which is true. It, it says amber, I believe, on the bottle, but... 
it's lighter than an amber. Um, it's got good lacing. Uh, poured a nice good head. It was almost like a, a two-finger head there uh, on the on the on the on the glass. And it says uh, has a mild hint of bread and grain, some malt sweetness and buttery caramel also, which is very true. Uh, also a good measure of hops in the nose, and it's mild. That's the thing. It's mild. It's just a very, uh, it's not a light beer in the sense that we normally think of as light beers, but it was very light, and it was good. It was a medium-bodied beer, but uh, very smooth and and light. It was just very enjoyable. I really did, I really did enjoy it. Matter of fact, it's funny. It's got an A minus on uh, Beer Advocate, and the official review made this note. It said that uh, yeah, indeed this brew goes down as one of the greatest. They call it Bliss in a Bottle. Uh, it's also the flagship uh, brew of Fuller's, and it's a true ale drinker's ale, up there with the greatest. So I'm I'm really impressed. Uh, thank you so much for that tip. I really enjoyed it, and now that I know that my local grocery has it, I'll probably drink that more often. Well, as I mentioned last episode, we had a, a contest going on, right? Last episode, I announced a contest to win a, a Catholic Foodie apron or a T-shirt, and uh, we had four... Uh, four people respond with voice uh, voice feedback, so I'm very happy. One of them will be a lucky winner of a Catholic Foodie apron or T-shirt, and I have written their names down and I have uh, folded them. I don't know if on Ustream if you can see this. I don't have a hat available at the moment, but they're on the desk here, folded up. I've mashed them all together here, and I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose a winner. So Jennifer Ziegler, Jennifer Ziegler, you're the lucky winner of a Catholic Foodie apron or t-shirt. You just have to let me know which one you prefer. And if you would, just send me an email at catholicfoodie at gmail.com and let me know where to send it, and I will happily send it to you. So fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, Thank you very much, all of you, for the feedback. I really appreciate that. And uh, we will do another contest like this very soon in the future. And just in general, if you would like to say something to the Catholic Foodie, uh, comment about what's going on in your kitchen right now, what's going on in the world, and want to make a comment or a complaint about my dog that's barking in the background nonstop, <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that, it's really irritating, but uh, then please, you can email me at catholicfoodie at gmail.com, or even better, give me a call at 985-635-4974. 985-635-4974. I would love to hear from you. And before we close out, we've got one more person who's going to come on the show to uh, say a few things to us, and that is Father Seraphim Bashoner of Catholic Under the Hood. I'm so glad Father Seraphim um, sent me this voice feedback over just this morning, and he's got some ideas for the Catholic foodie, and I, 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 I want you to hear all about them. Hey, Jeff, this is Father Sarah from over at Catholic Under the Hood, and I was just going to give you a bit of audio feedback, maybe something for your listeners to think about, or maybe something for you for a a later episode. And that is, how is it that different religious communities have meals with one another? In our own community, among the Franciscan TORs, our meals are generally pretty casual. For our evening meal, for example, we'll have a little reading from our rule and then we'll eat very casually. We don't really have assigned places, though. Some people tend to sit in the same place again over and over again, but we talk, we chat about the things that have been going on that particular day or things in the future, 
stuff that uh, a family would normally talk about. But when I was on a day of recollection with the Cistercians at Heiligen Kreutz Monastery this past weekend, I noticed that they had a, a different to say ritual or routine for their meals, particularly for their evening meal. It was a much more formal situation that the, the tables weren't set up so that people could sit right across from one another, but much more in a U-shaped fashion with the, the abbot of the monastery sitting at the very head table and next to him the various other important monks or, or monks with various offices that would sit there. And other monks would bring food to each table and each monk would take their portion. And it was all done in silence. Uh, well, I should say that the monks who were eating were out doing everything in silence. There was one monk who was reading various sections from a a, a book, I think it was by uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, uh, and I guess they would also made do readings for the church fathers. And, and while this monk who was reading, doing the, the Lexia, so to speak, everybody else was silent and heard what was being said. And that was their meal. When the reading was over, or the meal was over, the reading was over, and everybody uh, left. Of course, there were prayers before and, and after each meal. But it was very different from what we would have in our own community. That uh, Again, there wasn't intended to be any sort of conversation. It was rather intended to be listening, and, and apparently that was part of the tradition of, of, of St. Benedict, that is, of listening while eating, that eating, in a sense, even the meal itself was supposed to be a time for spiritual education. And I noticed that the Cistercians did this during dinner, and at lunch there was a bit more conversation, but even then they had someone who was reading, I, I believe it was the, the news events, uh, or important events, uh, within the church and within the world again for the people at that meal. And, and I'm guessing that was a one opportunity really to become exposed or aware of, of things that were going on in their wider world. So I just thought it was interesting how different religious communities had their meals and the things that they did, if you want to say their meal rituals. And so I put that out there just as something that I found as interesting. I said maybe you might want to look into it more yourself or maybe ask if there's other religious communities that listen to to your podcast what sort of traditions that they might have. Again, thanks for all that is that you do over there at the Catholic Foodie, and God bless. Well, thank you so much, Father Seraphim. I'm so glad that you sent that in. It's an excellent, excellent idea, and honestly, it's something I hadn't thought about before. I mean, I have uh, my own experience of relig- religious life, uh, having visited a number of communities uh, during my discernment, time, also living at an, uh, uh, on the, the campus of a Benedictine monastery while I was in a seminary, and then of course uh, the experience I had in Mexico with Mother Teresa's priests, the Missionaries of Charity Fathers. So I've had that experience, I've had those different experiences, but I'd never thought about it in, in, in the way that you suggest. So that is an excellent idea, and I will definitely plan to, uh, to work up a show that uh, that we'll, we'll talk about those topics. So thank you so much. And uh, if you have not yet listened to Catholic Under the Hood, you need to. Father Seraphim is uh, is is great. He's great. He's got a fantastic show. Uh, you you've got to check him out. It's CatholicUnderTheHood.com, and he's also over at SQPN.com. So uh, go t- go pay uh, Father Seraphim a visit, please. All right, and that's going to wrap it up for us here at the Catholic Foodie. And if you, once again, if you have anything you'd like to say to the Catholic Foodie, you can give us a call at 985-635-4974 or email me at catholicfoodie 
at gmail.com. Pictures will be available on the post for this episode at catholicfoodie.com as well. And until next time, bon appetit. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.